Witchlit is on a summer hiatus while we settle into our new Witchlit HQ. And rather than leave a blank space in the feed, we're taking the old TV network approach and bringing you some summer reruns from our first two seasons. Today's re-release is my conversation with Emma Catherine. We talked about their then new book, Witch Life, and roaming the woods for mental health, as well as that important connection to the green world. She has a new book coming out in December 2023, Season Songs, Rediscovering the Magic in the Cycles of Nature, and has started a new podcast project, The Wild Witch Podcast on Spotify. Welcome to Season 2 of Witch Lit, a space to talk about the craft of writing and writing the craft. I'm your host, Victoria Rashke, author, publisher, witch, and nosy Scorpio. Emma Catherine is a staff writer at Witchway Magazine, the House of Twigs blog, the Stone Root and Bone blog, the Spiral Nature blog, and Gods and Radicals. She has spoken at a number of UK pagan events, including the Magical Women Conference in London, and has been interviewed on the Witch Daily Show podcast. Her new book is Witch Life, a practical guide to making everyday magical. Emma Catherine, welcome to Witchlit. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm excited to have you on too. I um, I feel really lucky that I've been able to talk to so many folks in the UK. Just the magic of Zoom and you know the internet. <laughs> I know it has done. I know it gets a bad rep a lot of the time, but you know sometimes it is. You know, it does have its uses. <laughs> yeah, it makes the world smaller, if nothing else. So I'll take that part of it. <laughs> Um, so the first question I ask everybody, because we're a show, a podcast about writing, and also because there's so many other ways to communicate, is why write? Um, that's a good question. And, you know, I guess from always being a little kid, I was always reading, you know, for me, books were a way of transporting you out of the mundane and it kind of didn't matter whatever problems were going on so like my family were really working class lived in a very working class area you know money was tight we were poor and books were a way of experiencing the world and um, as I grew up I don't know I, I wonder if other writers feel the same way you kind of there's always that feeling inside that makes you want to put words down on a page and sometimes you can't always explain it you know yeah, I, I, it's a common answer, I think. It's just like this, <laughs> you're impelled to do it somehow, so. Yeah, and I think, like, I'm a naturally introverted person on that spectrum of introvert slash extrovert. I am naturally more of an introverted kind, and public talking frightens me to death. I'd rather write something than speak. <laughs> well, it's nice thing about podcasts is you can't see who's listening, so you don't have to worry about that part of it. <laughs> yeah they're like podcasts are nice and intimate you know mm-hmm. and you do a lot of different kinds of writing so you write for blogs you write for magazines and then you have the book coming out so do you want to talk a little bit about that kind of write- journey of writing yeah I mean so I did my English degree and um I did it through distance learning like so I, I had my children quite young but I always knew that I wanted to carry on my studies I was always that nerdy kind of out of all of my three sisters I was the one you know um and so I started writing and part of that degree was a creative writing element you know just a small little module and I quite enjoyed it anyway fast forward a few years and I was just um on my like I used to follow this page on Facebook and I think it was called Dear Darkling or something like that and they had a call out for writers and so they put on this six-week program and I and I went through that um my I didn't get through um but that was the start of writing for blogs and you know um so that was the start of it I suppose uh it's um I don't because I was familiar with your name from blogs is from gods and radicals especially because I've read yeah. that for a while and I was like oh well I know who this person is <laughs> when Mark <laughs> when your publicist recommended your book to me and I was like oh yeah definitely let's let's get her on um plus also my husband is from Trinidad so he is a, a oh. Caribbean immigrant to the U.S. a little different but I saw the Jamaican immigrant background and I was like yeah yeah oh, yes I'm familiar <laughs> um so you've been writing for blogs for a while mm-hmm. so what was the impetus for the book what how did that look like to get that published 
Um, well, you know, I already had a couple of books out with Gods and Radicals and they were like quite different to um, to Witch Life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess really, and I think most of us, we're not just one thing, we're many different things. So, you know, the Gods and Radicals stuff is very much about um, kind of, I don't know, finding your own way and being... Um, just exploring things and taking the time to kind of reclaim that sense of self. Um, but I also am a witch, I call myself a witch, I practice witchcraft. And so I really wanted to um, write something that was purely just witchcraft, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm in the opening talking about kind of that finding a way to combine like both sides of your heritage in a way. So how did that like show up in the book for you? Like, so um, for people who might not know, I also practice. So I practice a blend of traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, I practice Vodun, which is something I see is quite separate because it has its own. That is its own thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I also practice um, witchcraft, and what I generally term as Jamaican witchcraft or Caribbean witchcraft stories of understanding which is Obia which is a magical spiritual system that has its roots in West Africa but my experience of it has been from Jamaica but it is practiced in um, some of the other Caribbean islands as well Mm -hmm. and I found that whichever one as I was kind of exploring my path whichever area I focused on I always felt that I was leaving something out you know um because I think we always kind of fall into this way of thinking that we we have to be one thing or the other. Um, And so I really felt for a long time conflicted. And so, um, but as I began to practice both more deeply and kind of really integrate it into my life, um, I realised that actually there's a lot of crossover and a lot of similarities between the two. Both are kind of a mix of high and low magic, you know, and both are kind of have aspects of folk magic. There's the herb and plant law. So it was very easy to combine the both. Mm -hmm. And I love the recipes for the different rituals. I love that there are some Jamaican recipes in there too. Yes. <laughs> like you see the, the British influence with like the ginger cake and then also with the dumplings and salsa. And I was like, this is, this is um, that I was especially drawn to that because I'm very kitchen witchy. So I was like, oh, I've never had yeah. Jamaican dumplings. I may have to try those. Um, they are my favorite, you know, but my dad has this way of shaping them with his thumbs that I just cannot master. So I just have to do the round ones. <laughs> always the way there's like the one thing that your parents do it in a way that you just can't quite get or your grandmother or somebody there's always like this special the special way so I know. <laughs> oh. um so are you writing full-time because I mean you, you're writing a lot clearly but is that your full-time job or do you know <laughs> believe it or not it's not um I my day job I work full-time in a um special school so I am um, um, a teacher and mm-hmm. the school I work at is autism specific so okay. we're just a very small independent school um in the time where I live and yeah so I, I teach autistic children or children that is a full-time full-time job yes <laughs> but I also love it you know um mm-hmm. I think there's so much we can learn from kids anyway but you know mm-hmm. and I see a lot of crossovers in in all kinds of things and I think Working with children is really good for developing will and patience, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which are good for your witchcraft practice anyway. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So when do you get a chance to write? What does your writing time look like for you? Um, So I, (laughs) I get up weirdly early in the morning, like... I don't know why. I get up at around um, quarter to five in the morning, so 4.45 a.m. And I spend, like, maybe an hour of the morning time before going to work doing writing-related work. So it's either editing or um, kind of reading through or responding to emails and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm very lucky in my job. So although it's full-time, actually, because we follow the school year, I I have, like, 14 weeks holiday. Mm -hmm. And that's at regular intervals, which really is so beneficial. And then I have weekends off as well. So, um, yeah. (laughs) So more time, more regular time than probably most people who work a regular job without a schedule. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, um, I've worked in education for around three years now, and it was a complete career change for me. So before that, I worked in retail full time um, at a, a chain bookstore. And people think you work in a bookshop and they think it's going to be so good for your writing. But actually, it's not because you're too busy. You're always doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I, I did um, a retail stint for a yeah. time. bookstores and other things. That, yeah, that, that is not a life that leaves you anything but exhausted. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So at that time, you know, my writing was very limited. I only had a very small amount of time. Mm -hmm. And so now I I kind of have that nice balance, I think. Yeah, I know that sounds perfect, actually. Um, So you've published a couple of books with God's Miracles. You published this book with Llewellyn. So what are like writing goals for you? What does that look like now? Um, I mean, ultimately, like as much as I love my job, I guess... The, the dream, the writer's dream is to be able to do it as your full-time role, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's always in the back of your mind somewhere along the line, you know. Um, but I think, I don't know, I guess as long as I feel I have something to say, I guess um, I'm the books might just keep coming um, because I think it's important that everybody share their experiences. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I really wanted to get across in witch life is that witchcraft can be adaptable. So, um, you know, it doesn't matter what tradition you practice or, you know, whether you are, sh- you know, a beginner, some more experienced, it kind of doesn't really matter. Cause I feel like there's something in the book that can be adapted to suit your own individual um, purposes. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I think it's always because I, I I think back of my experiences of reading books, you know, the pivotal books that you read and you think, ah, oh, yes, finally someone sees it the same way as I do, you know. And I think it's it's yeah, I think it's as long as I still feel I have something to give. Mm. So what was the seed for this particular book? For which life? Um, well, I I wrote it during the first UK lockdown in 2020. So like I say, my school is very small and it is for children with autism. And um, But lots of our pupils have other diagnoses as well. And, you know, um, because of staffing issues and, and, you know, vulnerable people, it was decided that the best thing we would do would be to close the school and offer remote learning. So some of our support staff who is there all went to homes. Um, So I was actually working from home at that time. And for the first kind of few weeks, it's really weird. You think, right, you think as a writer that writing from home in that situation is going to be perfect because all of a sudden you've got this time. And I found that it was really hard. Whereas before I had quite a rigid schedule. Now I had like this, I had could basically make my own work schedule. So I had all of this large amounts of time. And for a while I kind of find myself slipping into this rut of not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really had to make a conscious effort and then actually I th- I started writing bits down and I thought do you know what I'm just going to put it together and see what happens and that kind of so how, did you did you shop it to Llewellyn or how, how did you go about like the actual publishing process yeah so um, I submitted it to Llewellyn um, because <clears throat> So I I think when I started, I didn't really think it would be a book as such. Mm -hmm. I thought maybe it might, I might break it down into a few, a series of articles or, you know. Um, But then actually, as I kept going, and because I think the lockdown for a lot of witches and pagans, it was a chance to kind of rediscover our practice, to kind of look at things with new eyes, with a different perspective. Um, And so, you know, it wasn't until it started getting quite a lot that I thought, okay, this is a series of articles that is going to go on forever if I don't kind of. Um, so I decided that I'd pop it into a book. And, you know, although I'd previously pu- published with Gods and Radicals, um, because it's purely witchcraft, I kind of, I don't know, there was, I just wanted it to go somewhere else, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so Llewellyn was the obvious choice, really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's. Uh, I was joking with somebody recently during interviews. Like, there's the two big ones in the in the U.S., Llewellyn and Wiser. And then there's the you know the ones in the U.K. that we are really familiar with in the states, like Troy and Moon and Yeah. You know. 
but it's, um, yeah, it's a little, I mean, it's niche marketing, it's niche publishing. (laughs) I know. And I was explaining it to my partner, bless him, because, you know, he's not really um, into any witchcraft or magic or is not really into paganism is kind of what I might term agnostic or gnostic, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's open-minded, but he's not really into anything as such and so I was explaining to him about Llewellyn (laughs) and I was like you know in publishing it is a niche market anyway but in terms of that niche market Llewellyn are probably the most well known you know Mm -hmm. if you you were to ask most people uh, you know name five pagan or witchy publishers I think Llewellyn would always be in those top five yeah and I think well I mean I'm I came to witchcraft and paganism in the early nineties and, and they, they were kind of the books that you could get. Yeah, exactly. It was just what yeah. was available. So Same. Kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a lot of Scott Cunningham, a lot of Scott Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> those are those early 90 folks. Oh, um, so when you get your time to write, we'll say post sort of post pandemic, who knows where we are, yeah. but, um, like, what does that perfect writing time look like for you? Do you have like a ritual around how you write or is it just sit um, down and get the work done? It used to be to sit down and get the work done. You know, when I worked in retail because time was of the essence. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm one of those people where I think like deadlines, I need a deadline because I tell myself I work best under pressure. And so if I have four weeks to do something, my natural tendency is to save it for the last two weeks. <laughs> um, and so that's been something I've had to kind of push against a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, at first my writing schedule, just sit down and, and write. Um, but just recently, only this year, I've actually dedicated a space in my home that is just for writing. So I've got myself a little writing room now. And what I like to do is just to come upstairs and shut the door on the house and everything else. And like the whole family know that when I'm in the room it's and the door's closed, it's like, do not come in. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to have those boundaries. Um, and, and then... Um, I like to spend a couple of minutes just, I don't know, acclimatising, getting, you know, um, daydreaming out the window, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then it's crack on. Yeah. um, The biggest adjustment for me with the pandemic was I have worked at home for years. So like my, I would like go to a coffee shop and write if I wanted to get out of the house and not be distracted by the laundry or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And um, so that was a hard one, but also my husband came home and was working from home. So we share an office. Yeah. And that was really weird to have someone like in the office all day with me. I bet. <laughs> I bet. One weird thing I have to do though, and, and I don't know why, and I do it with articles and books is I have to write them by hand with with, you know on pen and paper first mm-hmm. I don't know why I do it that way sometimes I'll write the whole thing sometimes I'll write a section and then I'll, mm-hmm. I'll begin to type it up and edit it that way so I guess that's I just don't know why I do that but I feel I always have to <laughs> yeah I think I don't know I feel like it's really different for different people I always start on paper like when I'm because I write mm-hmm. fiction it's so like when I start a new novel project like the first few chapters I write by hand and then I panic because then I realized that if I lose that, I lose everything. <laughs> so then I usually switch to the computer, but yeah, I think it's so interesting to me. Like, you know, people have that, um, like I have to handwrite it and I have to have this pen or this pencil, you know, just all of those little quirks around it. I always yeah. find fascinating. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking to my grandma about, cause every time I go and see my grandma, she lives like in a, a, a village, a couple of villages over. And so every time I go and see her, she'll ask how the writing's going. And it was only until I started writing that I found out that actually in the seventies, her and her sister used to practice wicker in the local group. Um, so that was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Cause I never knew that before. Um, but anyway, she used to tell me um, that she used to enjoy writing um and I think it's lovely how writing can bring people together but she mm-hmm. she um so she was writing this book in her younger days um because when she was growing up her family used to breed great uh, great Danes so mm-hmm. it was a book about great Danes um but she also had a, a pet goat <laughs> that 
used to follow her everywhere. So um, she was typing this book up on a typewriter. So it was all typed and handwritten, you know. Um, and her dad kept saying to her, look, you need to kind of think about what you're going to do with it. Are you going to send it off? And my grandma was like, no, no, I'm going to wait till I finished it first. And then I'm going to send it all off. Um, but before she got to the end of the book, the goat ate it. I know. <laughs> she never had the heart to write it again (laughs) see this is is an argument for having a copy of something for backing up everything (laughs) although I don't think I worried about goats but now I may have to (laughs) (laughs) oh the goat ate my book that's terrible (laughs) oh wow um so I, I'm still thinking about the go. It's going to take me a minute to recuperate. Um, when you get ready to start, like with this project, like you said, you were kind of thinking it might be articles and then it turns into a book. So really pre-writing for this book was probably like, this is going to be articles and then figuring out yeah. how to work it. So what did like researching and all that when you got into it? Cause it's, it's mostly a reflection of your practice. So did you do a lot of research or like, how did it come together? Um, I mean, I guess I didn't do a lot of research per se for this particular book, because a lot of it is drawn from my own practice and my mm-hmm. own interests. Um, you know, so, but generally I do like the whole research. Like I say, I'm a bit of a nerd and I like the whole how you know researching and making notes and all of that stuff but for this one not so much a lot of it was drawn from my own practice and I really wanted to kind of show people that actually it doesn't matter if you know a lot don't know a lot maybe Mm -hmm. you're not sure what you want to do or because I think it's important that people really take the time to explore and I really wanted it to be a focus on the practical side of witchcraft Mm -hmm. because I often think that um particularly for beginners, I often think that a lot of the theory stuff can be off-putting or confusing or, you know, there's so many different opinions and ideas and concepts so that when you're new, particularly now for the, you know, the internet is kind of a blessing and a curse because it makes information so freely available, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of takes an experienced eye to kind of differentiate between fact, opinion, misinformation and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think... Being able to explore in a practical kind of way can really allow you to work out a lot of um, the questions for yourself, you know? Um, I, I like that the way the structure of the book makes it, I think, really, I love in the intro, you say, you know, you can read this all the way through or yeah. you can dip in. And I was like, I, I like that approach of like, here are the Sabbaths and how, you know, I celebrate them and here's a kind of a pattern for that. But then that also says like in the moon magic and the elemental magic, like it's still to give someone, I think, especially a new practitioner, like kind of a framework to think about their practice. Like I, I liked the book being structured like that because it's like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel for everything you want to do. Like you find a pattern that works for you and kind of continue that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think for a lot of people, whether they would admit it or not, you know, we all live such busy lives and we all have so many constraints on our time and our resources that, you know, we have all the best of intentions. So, you know, we know Beltane's coming up. So you might think, oh, I'm going to do all of this stuff for Beltane. But then life gets in the way. And for whatever reason, you don't do most of what you wanted to do. And I think it's easy to fall into the habit of thinking, oh, well, never mind. I'll wait till next time, you know, Mm -hmm. or I'll wait till the next. And then, when you when you get into that kind of habit you don't end up doing anything you know so I wanted it to be able to be a book that you could go to every day and not just when it's a particular sabbath or Mm -hmm. a particular moon phase you know if you want to do something that day and you don't know what you want to do you're looking you know for a bit of inspiration you can go to the book you can pick it up have a flick through and you know and choose something that suits you in that moment Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, the subtitle of the book of being practical, I think is very true. Like there's not a no point in reading through. It was that like, yeah, I have no idea where someone would get that to do this. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like stuff you probably have in your kitchen or in your house somewhere. I mean, you talk a lot about like reminding people that you do not need to go buy the most expensive 
thing at the most expensive witch shop in your town. Like you can go to a thrift store and get in person. I think it's just really helpful. Yeah. And I think it's important that people know this stuff because I think um, in society generally, we place a lot of importance on having things, you know, if we look at, um, fashion industry for example there's a lot of emphasis and prestige put on designer clothing or you know or um luxury cars or whatever you know and I think that can slip into our witchcraft practices as well I'm not Mm -hmm. saying there's anything wrong with buying stuff you know we all like to have nice things Mm -hmm. but I think sometimes particularly if you are poor um and again this is where my own personal kind of influence comes from because for a long time um when my children were little and I was a stay stay at home parent and we only had one wage coming in for a long time there was no you know nothing mm-hmm. extra yeah. um and I think you'd I'd, I'd be reading books or or magazines or whatever and there'd be all of these beautiful crystals and all of these you know luxurious oils for example um and I just couldn't afford them and for a long time I kind of thought well okay maybe this isn't for me mm-hmm. um um but of course witchcraft is adaptable and you don't need anything to practice witchcraft other than yourself so I really wanted people to see that and I think by engaging with your landscape whether that's a town a city the countryside there's always things that you can use in that landscape and for me that feeds into animism and everything else mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think I I do wonder like coming in like to to witchcraft and paganism before the internet. Like you mm-hmm. came into it through books usually yes. or through other people. And then now a lot of, you know, people who are either actually young witches or young in their practice who are coming to it, come to it through social media or blogs and there is a lot of emphasis on stuff I mean there because it's it's a visual medium for the most part and you're looking at you know their fancy crystals with their shiny filters and you're like yeah that doesn't have to be sometimes all you need is some salt (laughs) yeah and I think as well you know we've all seen those Instagram pictures and they look amazing you know someone's beautiful altar it's got all of these beautiful things and you know it is the altar of your dreams in in an ideal world Mm -hmm. but actually in the real world that that photo or that reel has taken a long time to set up you know um, I, I've done a few pictures of my book for my social medias and the, you know, and nothing special, just in, you know, with a few pops of my own and it takes a long time to set up. So, you know, those really beautiful posts that you see where you think, oh, this is gorgeous. This is what I need. You know, mm-hmm. very few people, if anyone has that. <laughs> and no. So neat and perfect, you know. Well, and very few people have a way to have that set up all the time like that. Yeah, unless you live alone, <laughs> you know, most of us live with, if not other people, animals, certainly, you mm-hmm. know, um, I live with both. I have a, a family and for, for the most part, my children are a lot older now. So my youngest is 19 and my eldest is 21. So mm-hmm. um, they're used to all of my weird witchy stuff <laughs> and they just don't question anything anymore. Um, but my dog, on the other hand, I have to be careful where I place her and stuff mm-hmm. because he's a, he's a Patterdale Terrier and he is crazy yeah <laughs> so if he sees a fly is all over the furniture track so you know stuff yeah. would get broken <laughs> yeah no I have a cat too and my biggest fear ever is him like catching his tail on fire by accident <laughs> yeah it's um <laughs> the, the the worry is real <laughs> Yes, the worries were. It's like I'm, you know, I have long hair too, so I'm like, I don't want to catch my own hair on fire. I don't want to catch the cat on fire. Like, let's just be really careful. Plus, I live in an apartment building with like the most sensitive fire alarm in the face I've ever <laughs> lived with ever. It's like I open the oven door and the fire alarm goes off. So, like, I have to be super careful now. <laughs> it's it's the, the struggle is real in that regard, I guess. But um, yeah, I was just thinking about the social media posts, like, you know. Now I think authors kind of have to be like a one person show. Like even though you're published with Llewellyn and you have a, a publicist and 
with them and all that, there's still a lot of marketing you have to do by yourself. Like you were talking about posting your book on social media and stuff. So how, how's that been? Cause I, I know for a lot of writers, that is not the fun part. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real struggle for me. You know, like I was saying, I'm, I'm naturally an introverted person. I see kind of being an introvert and extrovert on the, on the spectrum. So, um, you know, self, self-promotion is not my forte. I find it very difficult to kind of talk about myself in that way. Um, mm-hmm. It's been hard, but it is necessary, you know, um, and it's super necessary. And I think I think it's important that when you write a book that you are able to talk to your readers, that they're able to connect with you as a, as a real person. Um, and I, I found that to be um, the best part of, of the promotion, you know, meeting mm-hmm. some fabulous people, really. Um, so that's been the best part, but it is it is hard. <laughs> Yeah. I, um, yeah. Marketing is not my favorite thing either, which is partly why I started the podcast. I'll be, uh, I don't know if they've actually said this out loud <laughs> on the podcast, but like, it was really like, I, you know, advertising is difficult. And it's like, I just want to talk to other writers and what are they doing? And let's talk about what we're doing and figure it out because it was much easier to have a conversation than to figure out how to do Amazon ads. Yeah. Really. So. <laughs> You know, it is, it is there, I guess there is a tiny ulterior motive, but also really, I just wanted an excuse to talk to writers and let them promote their stuff. I mean, this is an easy way. I think podcasts are an easy way to talk about your work without feeling like you're promoting in the same way. I think so as well. Um, I do love doing podcasts. I think they're one of my favorite, besides writing, favorite Mm -hmm. mediums, because, you know, I mean, when this goes out, there's going to be lots of people listening, but at the moment it's just me and you and it's kind of relaxed and it's kind of just like chatting to to a friend, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah. when it's about witchcraft and writing and books, I can talk the back legs off a donkey. So. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like you got your tea or your coffee and it's just like, like you said, like having a conversation with a friend across the table kind of thing. Yeah. Our table just happens to be most of the United States and the Atlantic Ocean, but... <laughs> <laughs> But it's a, it's a pretty big table, but I like that too. Oh, so while you're working on the book, did you find that your practice changed or deepened? I would imagine writing during the pandemic, like you said, there were opportunities for that, but did, did you notice anything like specific while you were working on the book? Um, yes. And I think it's weird when you get those moments of when you're thinking about something in that way, you know, when you're writing and you're thinking in, because it's a weird kind of way to think. And I I struggle to describe it, but other writers, I guess, will will know what I mean. Um, And I found that writing about witchcraft at the same time as kind of trying to focus on my own individual practice in the time that was quite difficult for a lot of people. Um, I don't know. I think it really allowed me to kind of draw a strength from it and a resilience, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so during the lockdown, in that first lockdown in the UK, we were allowed out for like one hour a day exercise. And so for me, that became very much linked to my witchcraft practice. Mm-hmm. And then it became a part of my daily routine of writing as well, you know. Um, and I think in that way, witchcraft often um is insidious because it seeps into every part of your life whether you realize it or not you know mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah but always when people say what's your daily practice and I'm like I don't know how much of my day isn't somehow like a little infused like you said like it's I mean it's just like any other system of practice or belief like it it kind of colors everything yeah that you do so what on your walks like when you got to escape the house during lockdown what did you do if you or if you if you feel like sharing that I mean that's yeah, yeah. You want to share. well I'm very lucky in that the town I live in is a rural town and what I mean by that is like it's very much urbanized in the way that most towns and cities are so you can go into the town centre and there's you know a Starbucks and whatever else you need to get and you know but then at the same time it's rural in that I can walk I can go out of my front door and walk in any direction for around 10 minutes and I'll be either in the woods or by the river or in the field somewhere so it's there's plenty of open spaces among all of the you know Mm -hmm. the sprawl of the concrete jungle um and so um 
I was able to kind of mix it up. So some days would be spent by the river. Other days it would just be like walking the dog around a local field, you know. But I think even on those small walks, um, it's easy to kind of find something to connect with in that local space. So for me, the land and animism is a major part of my witchcraft and obia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, connecting to the land where you live is you can only do that by getting out and interacting with that land and that space. And so I felt that that really deepened my connection. Um, but I'm a woods kind of girl, like my home is in the woods. <laughs> my ideal house would be a little ramshackle cottage in the middle of the woods somewhere with maybe a dog or two or three or four. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and so um, so I spent a lot of the time in the woods and sometimes it was just walking, sometimes it was foraging. So I, I make ointments and stuff like that. Sometimes it would be collecting um mm what was needed during those particular seasons um sometimes it was just to get out of the house you know Uh, and Um, so like you were saying there's different layers and all of those things were linked to witchcraft sometimes specifically for a purpose and sometimes it was just a way of me connecting with the genius loci or just breathing um hey we, you know, people complained here about lockdowns. We never had them like at the level that they did in the UK. Mm-hmm. So escaping was pretty easy, but I can imagine that in that kind of pressure cooker way of like, this is the hour you have to escape your house. <laughs> like, yes. You would want to make that as like, I don't know. It's like you have to fill the cup as much as you can possibly fill it in that hour. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing about like living with other people, you know, families are, my family was a great source of resilience and strength for me in the hard times. But at the same time, when you live with a house full of people, it's sometimes, even when you look at those people, sometimes you do just need, or I do anyway, I just need to have mm-hmm. that little bit of time just to be, yeah. you know. I, I was speaking to a friend about it and she said, you know what? She was saying that, because um, she has younger children, and she was saying sometimes when she is absolutely exhausted at the end of the day and the kids are in bed and her husband goes to bed, she said sometimes she just likes to... I'm sorry if you can hear my dog. I think oh, sorry, just yeah. <laughs> But she was saying that she likes to sit downstairs for about half an hour. And she said she's not doing anything in that time. Sometimes she's just watching some pointless TV show, but she said she's not even really watching it. It's just that time to, and space to decompress. Mm-hmm. Um, By yourself. I think that's important. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that totally makes sense to me. Oh, yeah. Um, so we've talked a little bit about this, but I guess kind of a more direct question, like when a reader picks this book up, what do you hope they walk away from after finish after finishing it or dipping into it? Or like what what's your hope for what the reader gets from this book? I hope that really they are inspired to kind of explore their own practical practice um you know because I think that's important that journey of self-discovery um and I think the book makes a nice framework for that so people can dip in and out mm-hmm. and it encourages that practical um it you know the focus is on the practical on the doing you know because that's really how we can then um consolidate all of the theory that we read you know, every day online in books, and um, but also it allows you to kind of experience it and say, actually, this works for me. This doesn't work for me. So if people pick it up and they feel inspired to do something different or to explore their area with a new set of eyes or a different perspective, I think that's really the aim. I like that. Have you had anyone kind of let you know, like, oh, they've made this recipe, or they did one of the meditations? Yes, um, I've had some lovely feedback. Um, Mickey Mueller did a nice, and she made some of my Imolk incense. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what I really liked about that, I think it was on Instagram, and what I really liked about that was that she didn't have one ingredient, so, you know, she she, she substituted it for something mm-hmm. else. And I think really, um, because that is what witchcraft is, witchcraft is adaptable. It's not just this set Mm -hmm. you know this one set way um 
so yeah it's been it's been really nice and a few people have commented on the the kind of breadth of the book saying there's a lot of stuff in there mm-hmm. but it's precisely for that reason so you can flick through and pick something that suits you in that particular moment um, and I think I don't know I just I love the approach of saying you know because I think like I say we you know early on like 90s or whatever coming to it you came to books you're like oh I have to do these eight you know <laughs> rituals of the year and I have to do something when the moon is dark and I have to do something when the moon is full and blah blah, blah. And you're like I don't have time or like my brain doesn't work that way or like I think you know especially if you're not in western northern europe like some of those wheels of the year don't add up where you are like i'm in california and i can't tell you what the yeah. difference between spring and summer is here yeah <laughs> like, i mean really together. really the sabbaths uh are on the wheel of the year it marks the british and european agricultural calendar really mm-hmm. you know and so i always think that um and this for me is where animism and the land become you know um can really add a, a an extra dimension to your practice because it's about getting to know the land where you live in the cycles of the season where you live mm-hmm. and what that looks like in the land you know mm-hmm. um and 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 adapting those celebrations to match that yeah and i like that the book is especially new folks permission and like no really you can do this how you know check it out this is what works for you is what works for you. You do not have to conform. I always yeah. remind people, there's no witch Pope. Like nobody's going to come down on you. If you do <laughs> I like your own way. There's no witch Pope. So I like that. Yeah. And particularly with the wheel of the year, you know, because when I first started and you know, maybe you're not sure of the dates and all of this, or you miss it and, and you think, right, that's gone now. And I can't do that. Um, but actually for me, I often see those, those particular Sabbaths, those dates as being, yes, it's a particular date, but actually it's a marker of the season and really mm-hmm. it's, it's a seasonal thing and you can do any of those workings at any of, those times of that season you know um if you if you do it on the day great fantastic Woo-hoo. um but like I said real life often gets in the way for many of us yeah yeah and even like I was just thinking like I haven't practiced with a group for a long time with a coven or anybody and like we always it was like the closest Saturday like very rarely did we meet on the day because most people can't drop everything on a yeah. Wednesday night you know with kids and work and yeah all that so yeah. we do it on the weekend and that was fine so. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's about making it practical, practical, mm-hmm. and adaptable. Like you say, there's no witch pope. <laughs> no one's, no one's coming in. No one's going to come and inspect. I was like, there's no witch pope, and there's no witch Martha Stewart to come and make sure you're doing it that thing. So, although I do, I, I mean, I don't personally know Martha Stewart, but I do kind of wonder if she doesn't have some witchcraft based on what she's capable of doing. <laughs> so. And also an army of people helping her. I mean, that's part of it. But my 24 hours in a day doesn't look like Martha Stewart's 24 hours in a day. <laughs> I bet many people don't. <laughs> oh, so what what is next on the horizon for you? What what are you working on? Um, so I am currently writing um Book number two for Llewellyn, but that's very much in the first draft. Early mm-hmm. days. Um, well, that's exciting, though. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. Um, and then, you know, there's always the, the articles for the blogs and the websites. That's always ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the moment, and it, it's a good place to be in, I suppose. There's, I don't know, maybe other writers feel, get it to where... I feel like when I approach the end of of a project, I really have to focus on that project because already I'm thinking I'm getting ideas for something else or the next book or a book about this or something will happen. I think, aha, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, so there's always different things. But um, I have a podcast with my friend Jessica called Lilith's Left Hand where we discuss a whole range of, um, so there's always something going on. Always something going on, yeah. Busy, busy witch, busy life all together. Yeah, you know, and I kind of did that by accident, you know. Um, 
but I, I just found I guess it's easy when when you love stuff you know I like mm-hmm. to write I've always liked to write and I, I love witchcraft and it's a massive part of my life so it's easy to spend a lot of time mm-hmm. doing those things you know yeah and I do I do wonder like once you kind of step your toe into being kind of a public witch like I also think there is I don't know that it's pressure but I think it is like you said a drive to like you know once you've stepped out there it's like no I'm gonna this is what I do now kind of thing too yeah yeah because you kind of have to own it because like the self-promotion stuff it's all it's kind of weird you know being a a public witch it's Mm -hmm. it's a weird kind of thing to do in a way um and you kind of have to be um kind of confident and strong in in your practice because there's always people who who don't understand it or you know I think the majority of people still have you know when you say you practice witchcraft or you talk about witches and witchcraft and magic they tend to have the Hollywood ideas you know of what Mm -hmm. it is and then actually when you break you know you get into those conversations with people they actually go oh actually that's really interesting oh I'm into that and you know and um so yeah that's the good side of it but it is kind of difficult because there is I don't know there is a kind of pressure I think to to keep up with the the social media posts Mm -hmm. and and for someone who you know I've always had like the social media but I've never I've always been kind of a lurker or I I like to read stuff or I use it to keep in touch with family and friends who are all over the Mm -hmm. world and that kind I've never really been one to post a lot of my own personal stuff on there and so having to post on a regular basis has been something that I've had to be quite strict with myself about because Mm -hmm. it's not something that I would naturally do um but it's witchcraft stuff and and I found that actually I quite enjoy um you know when I can share things that I like doing or share some nuggets and people kind of comment and you can have that discussion that's really lovely actually yeah um, and it, it has been I mean especially we moved during the pandemic so this is mm-hmm. California is new ish for me gosh we've been here <laughs> nine months or something it still feels new but um yeah I've found I've actually gotten to know more people through the podcast and through social media kind of live here or are in the area then like probably I would have if we just moved here like without that you know connection yeah, so yeah. it's a it's a funny uh, it's a funny thing it is and I find you know I've I've met some really genuinely nice people from being a, a public witch and mm-hmm. being a writer and um, really supportive people and you know and like I say there's a lot of negative stuff about the internet and I often I was having a conversation with someone the other day and I said actually you know and um, because they use the term internet strangers and I'm like well they might be internet strangers but actually some of those people I've never met in real life have been more supportive of my writing career mm-hmm. than people I've known forever and you know I don't necessarily mean just buying the book or spending money I mean they've they've shared articles or they've liked mm-hmm. them or you know they they've spoken encouragingly so there's lots of positive sides to being out there yeah yeah I I totally agree so speaking of that where can people find you (laughs) (laughs) so um I am on all of the social medias I'm trying to get better at Twitter (laughs) Twitter is uh Uh, I can only do that for small periods of time mm -hmm. um but Emma Catherine Wild Witch Wild Witchcraft on Facebook Instagram and Twitter um they can find me on my blog Emma Catherine Wild Witchcraft and and all of um the sites I write for so Gods and Radicals um and all of the others that you spoke about earlier yeah we'll put notes Yeah. For everybody, we'll put links in the show notes for folks so they can find that pretty easily. That'd be great. So my last question for you is a tiny game of chance based oh. on my nosy <laughs> Scorpioness and not knowing how to talk about the weather very well. Um, so based on what I roll, you'll get a question about death, sex, religion, politics, or money, all that stuff we're not supposed oh, to talk how about. Exciting. And that then if I roll game. six, you get to pick which one. And I showed this to you before, but I will tell our listeners that I picked a purple one because Catherine's book <laughs> is a lovely shade of purple. So I picked a purple dye today. Okay. So three religion, not that we kind of haven't been talking about that. In time <laughs> yet. Um, so 
this is a hypothetical. Uh-huh. So you have joined the ancestors. What will we hope a very distant of you joining the ancestors lit, which need to summon you to their circle and what writing advice will you give them? Okay. Hmm. <laughs> so to summon me, they will need um, some rum. <laughs> rum and dark chocolate. That is all that is required to summon me. And <laughs> very easy to summon. It like has it. to be the good stuff there. <laughs> yes. We expect nothing um, less if you're trying to summon someone. You, you should. You know, yeah, right. Um, and the advice I would give them, writing advice, right? Mm-hmm. The writing advice I would give them would be to just get it down on paper, to just write, because I think I spent so much of my beginning, even when I'd already had the first few articles and essays published, I was always second guessing myself, you know, and I can remember um, (laughs) sending something to one of my editors at Godwin Radicals and he got back to me and he said, Emma, this is it's really good, but it's so well polished. You don't have to do that. That's my job, <laughs> you know. And I think that was just part of me kind of being too hypercritical of myself and not mm-hmm. having that confidence to just write on the page. So, yeah, just write. <laughs> yeah, I think getting it out and turning off your internal editor is probably one of the hardest lessons most people learn about writing. Yeah. Absolutely. It took me a long time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, I pay an editor. I don't have to do that to myself. <laughs> Not that I don't still do it. But I do pay I an know. editor. So. But, you know, it's like one of these things, right, that I do. And I think it, it's just part of my personality. So I was getting a new cooker um, and... It was one of those deals where you pay a little bit extra and the delivery men, when they're dropping your new one off, they'll take your old one away for oh, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the night before I pulled my, and not that it was terribly dirty, you know, I like to think I'm quite clean, but I pulled my cooker out and gave it a good clean inside and out, even though it was being taken away the next day. And my <laughs> partner was like, <laughs> like, Emma, why are you doing this? I'm like, because... I don't want them to think I'm dirty. And he's like, well, it's not dirty. And like, I just have to do it. <laughs> and I think it was the same for me with writing and editing, you know. And it's been very hard for me to just get it on paper mm-hmm. and send it away. <laughs> yes. It's like, I don't want them to think I can't spell or that I don't know. About, yes. You know, subject <laughs> verb agreement just because I missed an S here, you know. Yeah. No, I, I feel you on that totally. <laughs> Uh, well, Emma, thank you so much for being on the show. This was lovely. It was lovely to chat with you. And I'm excited for oh, the book. I'm excited for time. new stuff coming. So thank you. No, thank you for having me. I've had the best time. Oh, Witch Lit is a production of Thousand Volt Press and is edited by Keifel Agostini, who also designed our logo. Our music is Voices, composed for us by Alexander Shnekar. You can support our work, get early access to episodes, ask your own death, sex, religion, politics, money questions, and get some free stuff by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash witchlitpod. Transcripts and all our previous episodes are available at witchlitpod.com, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at witchlitpod. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and consider giving us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps other witches find the show. Thanks for listening and for reading Witchy.